0: Once again, good morning, brethren. It is good to be with you this morning. A special welcome to all of our visitors. I see that the Myers family is with us again today since the birth of their new child for their first visit, um, Adam Hugo Myers. Welcome, welcome. And by the way, uh, it's an unusual name, Hugo Myers. Is that related to Linda and Hugo Myers? Your dad? My, my Grandfather. grandfather. I knew your grandfather 40 years ago. He was a good man. And Linda, beautiful singer at the church. Very lovely people. Oftentimes, we can determine the future by what? History. We've seen that time and time again. We see that with people. We see that with governments. We see that... Even with nature itself, like these storms that we recently had, the hurricanes, they've been horrible. They're measured by their strength and their size and their magnitude, the actions that are contained within them. And By those measures, we can oftentimes predict what future storms will bring. We can see that in people and their behaviors, what they've acted in the past, they oftentimes act in the future. And that's in good and bad ways. We know somebody that you can always depend on, somebody who's always there, expressing their love. You can say, he or she, they'll be there. They're my friend, they're my brother. Whoever it is, you can count on them. And we all like movies. And I'd like to refresh you to a movie that you've seen that perhaps when the movie comes on and the picture and sound comes on, you see this terrific sight it's an explosion somebody gets whacked some event happens and then you'll see the screen go and you you don't know what's happened you don't know why this has occurred but then you'll see 12 years ago on the screen or back in the beginning or from some time before and then you'll see something from 1973 with all the old cars and the wide ties and the lapels and the things that are going on then. If it's a picture in New York, you see the gangsters. And if it's in a foreign country, you see the animals going across the deserts or whatever it is. And then you see events occur. And as the movie progresses, you come back to, and here we are again, where you began this movie an hour and a half ago, all the things that led up to. There's an aftermath, a momentous occurrence. And then you see how things end up. Well, let's take a look. I want you to put your finger on the very first page of the Old Testament because we're going to be going there in a few minutes. But turn right now to John, the third chapter at the reading we had. This is the picture coming up today. And here's where this sermon movie starts. Verse 12 of John 3. If I have told you earthly things and you believe not, how shall you believe? If I tell you of heavenly things and no man has ascended up to heaven... But he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven, and Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whatsoever, whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Verse 16. In current day, that's probably the most recognized verse in the Bible through the denominational, the spiritual, the Christian world. Would everybody agree with that? We all know it. We know what it says. We can quote it and we hear other people say it. That's the opening scenario today. In this lesson, we're now going to go back in time. We can go back 2,000 years to the time that Christ was walking on this earth. We can go back thousands and thousands and thousands of years to the beginning of time as we know it. And let us look back at Genesis 1. As before we go there, when we look in this verse in John, in chapter 3 we find a man named Nicodemus. He had come asking Jesus a question. But Jesus didn't answer his question, but rather told him that he needed to understand a few things about his own situation. Jesus then proceeded to discuss the need that man has for salvation. He told Nicodemus that he needed to be born again. Then Jesus explained how he was sent to this world to provide salvation. I had a conversation with Tom Walls this week, Tom and I talked on the phone some, we discussed different things. When he was here a couple weeks ago, he had brought out in his lesson, John 3:16. that was no accident. We had talked about this ahead of time. And Wednesday I called him and I said, Tom, can I talk to you for a couple minutes? He said, sure. I said, in your lesson last week, we discussed John 3:16 in the verse that says, for God so loved the world, and Tom had kind of related that and God loved the world so he gave his only begotten son. And then we looked at the word so and the word that, and we talked about he loved us so and talked about the depth in which God loved this world. And that being the, the, the trip word that created the action afterward that he gave his only begotten son. We had a, a good long conversation, uh, Bible study on the phone. It was a very good conversation. The Bible very boldly declares God's love for man, and it does it in this verse. But how has God shown his love for man in time time as we know it god is eternal but he time stamped this world in creation let's look at genesis 1 and i'm going to i'm going to paraphrase i'm going to read a few of the the verses in here and i want you to notice the repetition and the things that are talked about here in verse 1 and we're going to go right through this if it's okay in the beginning in, in this verse excuse me This first verse of the Bible. To all of our friends, whether they're believers or not, who believe in the Big Bang Theory, and that may be the way that God created this universe, we don't know. But to all the people who deny God created the earth and and promote the Big Bang Theory and these different things, this verse sums it up, the whole matter up. The whole matter. Verse 1 says, In the beginning God created the heaven, and the earth. That settles it, brethren. Right there. That verse, if you believe in God in any way, whatever denomination, or wherever, whatever country you're from, whatever belief, if you believe there's a God in heaven, the first thing he says is that he created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and underline the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. In verse 4, underline, and God saw the light that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. Move down to verse 7. And God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. These are very powerful words that he uses to describe his creation. And God called the firmament heaven. And in verse 9, when he said, Let the waters under the heaven be gathered together unto one place, and he let the dry land appear, and it was so. God spoke this world into creation, he himself created. Verse 11. And God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed and the fruit tree yielding fruit after its own kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth. And it was so. The power and might in the word of God. In verse 12, as we get to the end, he says, after the earth brought forth grass and whose seed was in itself and after his kind. And God saw that it was good. And that reminds me of you, brother Kevin. Because what do you say all the time god is good and anybody who's had any conversation with kevin knows he says god is good book chapter and verse brother he's right god is good and in verse 14 god said he spoke into existence these things god said let there be lights in the firmament above the heaven to divide the day from night why let them be for signs and for seasons, for days, and for years. Who is that for? Did God need day and night, seasons, months, days, years? No, He didn't need that. In verse 15, He said, Let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And it was so, simply by His word. Now, let's skip all the way down to verse 20. And God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature. Here comes the critters. That hath life and the fowl that may fly above the earth and in the open firmament of heaven. And God created whales and everything, creature that moveth, which the waters brought forth abundantly. And after their kind and every winged fowl after his kind. And God saw that it was good. And Verse 22 kind of struck out at me beginning of verse 22 it says and God blessed them God blessed them this is before us brethren. God blessed these creatures he has a very special relationship with them also we don't know exactly what that relationship is we do know that later in the New Testament in Matthew 6 that he says the hairs of our head are, are counted and the feathers of the birds He knows every hair on our head and every feather on every bird and every hair on every animal. He knows and has that relationship with them. Then down to verse 24, and God said, he spoke again, Let the earth bring forth the living creature after its kind, the cattle and creeping things, and the beast of the earth, and after his kind, and it was so. Now, we're only 24 verses into the first chapter of Genesis, and look how much God has done just by speaking his word. Then down to the end of verse 25, after he made all these beasts, and God saw it was good. Verse 26 becomes vital to us. God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and all the earth and over every creeping thing upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. Verse 28. And God blessed them. Them is us. He blessed us. Likewise. And then in verse 28 he says. Be fruitful multiply and replenish, replenish the earth. And subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea. And the fowl of the air. And over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And God said. To us brethren. Behold. I have given you. Every herb bearing seed which is upon the face of the earth and every tree in which the fruit of the tree yielding seed to you it shall be for meat. he gave us our very sustenance and in verse 31 and God saw everything he had made and behold it was very good his words it was very good in the evening in the morning or the sixth day. Does the creation demonstrate the love of God? We're going to look at five things briefly as I can. I know we're running late on time. We had a late start today. There are many who look around the world today and only see bad things happening floods, fires. Tornadoes, these hurricanes, volcanoes, earthquakes in Mexico two in one week. Can you believe that in Mexico City? They had another one yesterday. We live in a society where the media loves to report bad news. However, have we and do we ever stop to think how many good things happen every day? We get the sunshine and the rain and the trees and the grass and we often hear (coughs) Stephen. pray about some of these things the goodness that god has given us these things far outweigh the bad things on this earth we do hear a lot of the bad things happen they accentuate them they sensationalize them and they keep it in the forefront what about the mere beauty of the world in which we live in god's love is demonstrated for us through this creation he created it for us and gave us control over all of it Therefore, I say to you that man lives in the perfect environment for his existence through the God of heaven's creation. What do the scriptures say? Psalm 19:1 through 6. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens God has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of the warmth of the sun. Nothing. Matthew 4, 5 and 45 said that God maketh his sun to rise on the evil and on the good and sendeth the rain on the just and the unjust. Acts 14 and 7 Nevertheless he left not himself without witness in that he did good and gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons filling our hearts with food and gladness. Acts 17:24 through 28 God made the world and all things therein seeing that he is the Lord of heaven and earth. 1st Timothy 6:17 says that we are to trust God who giveth us, us richly all things to enjoy. So he's given us this creation, and the second thing that He gave us was the written word. How does the written word demonstrate God's love for us? It's the power of God speaking. He spoke the world into creation, as we just saw. He speaks to us through His words. He gave us the Holy Spirit, who speaks on our behalf, and it was put into the Scriptures in Romans eight twenty-six as utterance, groans. The Spirit groans on our behalf. This communication is essential. Most of us in here are parents. All of us in here are a child of a parent. Have you ever known a parent that loved <clears throat> excuse me, loved their child, yet did not communicate with them? Did not have much conversation about what's right and wrong, what dangers lie before them, give them the warnings? How about a husband that loved his wife that didn't communicate with her, or vice versa? I know in, in my family, Mary and I talk, all the time sometimes but we communicate we get along we express our love for one another our needs for one another our concerns etc remember one story of a man who didn't talk a lot we worshipped with him for a long time he didn't say a whole lot that he loved her and she said one day he told me when he married me that if he, he loved me and if i'd ever changed he'd let me know <laughs> <laughs> So he loved her throughout, and indeed he did until the day he died. When we love someone or something, it's simply natural to reach out, communicate with them, touch them on an emotional level. And we do that not just with people, but with things. Now, how many of you guys have puppies or dogs or cats and don't talk to them? (laughs) laughs say yes we talk to our pets we love on them we caress them, we pet them we, sometimes we yell at them, get out of here whatever it is, but we talk to them plants I'd like to work out in the garden it used to be vegetables, I used to say if you can't eat it, why plant it then I started coming around a little bit, I plant some more things besides plants, I do some flowers and bushes and trees and things now too every once in a while I'll talk to them come on, what's the matter with you, get up here and give me some of those tomatoes, things like that Talking to each other indicates our love for our fellow man. How much more does it indicate God's love for us when He communicates to us through His Word? Moreover, if God expects a certain standard of behavior from us, and I think we would all agree that He does expect a standard of behavior, and He doesn't tell us what that standard is, how can we say that He loves us? How do we know what to do if we don't have that Word, if we don't have that standard? Can the parents say he loves a child and doesn't warn him of danger that's coming? Don't touch that hot stove. Don't run out in front of that car. Don't get too close to that step with your bicycle. You'll roll down it like a tumbleweed. Can the husband say he loves his wife or she, him, if they don't share their expectations, their desires, their dreams? Of course not. The Bible reveals to us that God in his love for man communicated with us. In Deuteronomy, the 30th chapter, 11 through 16, says, For this commandment which I command thee this day is not hidden from thee, neither is it afar off. It's not in heaven that you should say, Who shall go up to heaven for us and bring it down, that we may hear it and do it. Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say, Who shall go over the sea for us and bring it unto us, that we may hear it and do it. But the word is very nigh unto thee. In, the, in thy mouth, in thy heart, that thou mayest do it. Let the word of God richly dwell in your heart. This is a verse we, that rings out to all of us. See, I have set before thee this day life and good, death and evil, in that I commanded thee this day to love the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments. He gave it all to us. That thou may live and multiply, and the Lord thy God shall bless thee in the land where you go to possess it. And like the song says in Psalm 119, the word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. He's given us this standard of morality, brethren, that we're to live by, that we're to honor him by our obedience. What would happen if we had no standards for human behavior in this world today? Is that a situation that any of us would want to be in? I don't think so. Would a parent be loving if he had no standard of behavior for their children? No. That's why we correct our children. That's why we give them guidance. The fact that God has given us a standard for behavior means that he loves us and wants wants us to live happy lives. But with the contingency of this moral standard and good behavior and obedience. We looked at. Psalm nineteen, one through 6, if you continue in verse 7, it says the law of the Lord is perfect. We don't need any more. We don't need any less. It's refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. And that's me, brethren. I want to heed to his word. I want his wisdom. Romans 13, 8 uh, says, Owe oh, no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth one another has fulfilled the law. Love your neighbor as yourself. When all those commandments that were listed from the Old Testament were given, he said, which one is the greatest? And he said, love your neighbor, love the Lord your God, of course, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's how he tells us to do. And he's given us all these instructions. And within those standards, he gives us his plan of salvation. Without God's love, we'd be in an awful fix. We would have no hope. Sin separates us from God, Isaiah 59, 2. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. One sin will condemn us eternally if we're not under the blood of Christ by receiving his grace and mercy and forgiveness. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. God loved the world enough to do that. He created the world. He destroyed the world, saved for eight souls. First Peter three twenty, and it gives us opportunity for salvation from our sins. Romans five verse six says, "For when we were yet without strength, in due time, in due time, meaning He knows the progression of man and his sinfulness and what we need. In due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely a righteous man, man will one die." 1 John 4.10, Herein is love, not that we love God, but he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Did God have to promise us eternal life? Certainly not. It would have been enough not to be punished eternally for our sins. We're all sinners. We all do things that we deserve just punishment for. But to not be punished for those sins is, is quite enough. Yet God's promise He's gone far beyond that and said, not only will I not punish you, but I'll let you live forever. We have a mark of time from Genesis 1-1. While we're alive, that time for us is until the day we die, or when Jesus comes again, whichever comes first. Either way, we're going to be there. We're going to be in his judgment. Back to the beginning of the sermon. We looked at today. We look back at history, the creation, the word, the spirit he gave us, the blessings he gave us, the world he gave us. When we say we've got the world in our hands, we truly do because God of heaven gave us the world. And he says it is for you to control. It is for you to have dominion over. And it is for you to live the life that I have slated for you in righteousness that in judgment in the later day will be found faithful and can have that home with him in the after while. Hebrews 9.15 says, and for this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament by means of death for the redemptions of the transgressions that were under the First Testament. They which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. First John two twenty five, and this is the promise that he's promised us even eternal life so brethren I say to you that God did not just love us so much that he gave his only begotten Son here and now today I say God has loved us since before the beginning of time and before the beginning of creation and he created this world for us and he provided us a way of salvation It's in all the promises he's given to us. What are we doing with his instructions? What are we doing with the earth that he gave us, the animals to have control and dominion over? What are we doing with the very life he gives us? He breathed life into Adam. He breathed life into Adam. From whence we all came. Because it started with two. Here we are today, with however many billion people are on the earth, but all living under God's promise, all living under God's law by which we'll be judged. Hopefully, this day you are a member of Christ's church. Hopefully, you've been baptized for the remission of your sins and that you live in his kingdom. Hopefully, with promise, we will receive his grace and mercy. That at the end of this time, whether it's by our death or by the end of time, we have the opportunity for salvation through the blood of Jesus Christ. If you are not a Christian this day, please consider the things that have been said. He's provided a way for you to have that eternal salvation that is promised to the just and to the faithful. Maybe you are a Christian and things have come up in your life that you've not been proud of and you need to make atonement for that. Whether privately and, and request the prayers of the congregation or publicly, to let us know how we can help you. If you're subject to the invitation that God has given to the promise, won't you come forward at this time while together we stand and while we sing?